Hello, my beautiful mama. Today is a really special episode because I'm talking with one of my closest girlfriends from Kodiak, her sister, Lindsay Laster. She's about to tell us about her fostering to adopt story. Lindsay's story and the connection I have with Jen is really the closest relation I've had to somebody, at least in my adult life, that's gone through the foster to adoption process. And I would get, you know, updates from Jen when we were hanging out, but to actually sit with Lindsay and hear the story from her is really incredible. And I want you to know that I think it's really special for her too, because this is really her first time of coming out and really talking about her story aside from her close family and friends. And she wants you to know that it's an incredibly beautiful experience and there's and it truly is special. However, it is also incredibly traumatic. And if for any of you mamas or parents that are thinking about going down this road or and taking this on, there's things that she wants you to know. And if you know somebody, a friend, family who is thinking about going down this path, please, please, please share this podcast, share this episode with her with them, with him. <laughs> the whole purpose of our mission here is to really enlighten and educate and support one another. And sometimes just hearing somebody's story really truly does that. So without further ado, let's head into the episode and hear from Lindsay. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf, <laughs> it's mama time. Hi. Hello. You look so pretty in your red. Oh, thank you. Yes, I, I have a couple like power colors and this is one of Ooh, mine. So. I like it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here. I'm super frizzed up. I'm wearing what I intended to be part of my workout attire today. And it's just a loungewear. Well, I look like this because I literally like yesterday filmed my whole e-course. Like the boys left the house. I just filmed, filmed, filmed. Wait, and so no. like I had done my hair and <laughs> You might as well use it up. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. You look great. I love the, the headshot you sent me too. You look so pretty. Oh, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm really excited. Me too. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. Go ahead and tell everybody about, about yourself and, okay. and then lead into your story when you're ready. Cool. So, hey, Mama Inspired listeners. I am Lindsay Laster. And I am a Texas mama of two. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old son um, and two crazy dogs and one equally crazy husband. Uh, we're college sweethearts from the University of Arkansas, just living life. Up until this year, I was an educator and I made the decision to become a stay-at-home mom at the beginning of the school year. So 
I am now home and I'm trying out this stay-at-home mom thing with a side of entrepreneurship. So applying for my first patent and filming my first e-course and just having fun living life right now. You're amazing. (laughs) I'm serious. You're amazing. That list is just incredible. (laughs) Do you want me to just jump in? Yeah. Okay. Um, So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my motherhood journey, which is very tightly interwoven with our adoption and our foster care journey. Um, When I was about 14, I was diagnosed with what they thought was polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, And they told me at that time that they thought it would be very difficult for for me to conceive that I would have infertility. I wasn't too concerned at the time. I was like 14. So it was it was a time in my life where I hadn't even started to think about like being a mom. And so it was just a really sweet way that God gave me a heart for adoption because I knew I would want to be a mom, but I didn't think that it was going to go that route. So as soon as I started dating my husband, I told him, we're, we're going to be adopting. And he was fine with that. He was on board, um, which was, which was huge and, and important to me. So yeah, um, we were three years into our marriage when we decided to pursue uh, foster care. So we started doing all of the trainings. There were about six months of nights and weekends trainings, um, as well as a really intense home study. At the time, we were living in like a very old fixer upper. So we had like all the family over trying to fix up this house to make it kid approved. The standards for foster care homes that you have to have, I mean, your furniture is bolted to the walls, all the locks are functioning. I mean, locks should be functioning, but yeah, right. just, you, you have to be aware of like all these little things that are going to be inspected to be able to accept foster kids. Um, so we did that process. And through all these months of training, they kept telling us they would they would gloss over the infant trainings. They'd be like, oh, we're going to move on to big kids because no one ends up with an infant. We're going to move on to big kids. So we we were ready. We were on the list. There was some lost paperwork. We got on the list later than we thought we would. We're out for our Tuesday night date night and we get a call and they said, can you take emergency placement of a six week old? I don't know anything about babies. You haven't trained me on anything about babies. There's a baby coming to my house. My husband stands up in the taco shop and says, we're having a baby. Oh no, we're not. I did not just announce that I'm pregnant. Like, we have a baby coming to our, it was insanity. We called all of our friends. We were like, what do we do? What do we get? What do we, how do we, we don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, they told us to get all the burp cloths, get some formula, get back to the house. Um, and, and he arrived and we were, we were sitting there filling out all the paperwork. He was asleep. And I just remember he woke up and he just looked at us and I was like, may, may I hold him? And they looked at me like I was crazy. They're like, this is, yeah. he's now your, your child. Um, but it was just, it, it was so surreal. And we, we fell in love with him immediately. I mean, um, we, we were thrown into newborn parenthood. Um, so we went from loving our sleep to like, baby in the house very quickly. Um, That was a big shock, but it was also a time for us to like share responsibilities. So, okay, you're better in the middle of the night than I am. I'll do early mornings. I'll do late evenings. But honestly, from day one, there was a lot of stress in, in all of it. So we were not allowed to 
to like take him to visitations, which was really hard. They were concerned for our safety with um, wow. the biological parents. And so we had to like meet at a McDonald's to pass off. We had to be extremely careful about what he was wearing, what everything. So if you're not um, familiar with foster care, something that's really hard is you have to document everything. I mean, for, for older kids, if they're playing in the backyard and they scrape their knee, you have to document the Neosporin, the Band-Aids, the everything, every single time. So for an infant, diaper rashes every oh my goodness. Time, just pages of desitin, just desitin, like I'll submit it to you every, like desitin. Um, but, but it's hard. It's, like immediately we were, we were mommy and daddy, right? Because for an infant, they, they don't know anything else. Like we are mom and dad, but at the same time, we were constantly being reminded with our weekly phone calls or our monthly visits. Oh, well, this placement might happen or this placement might happen. This placement might happen. There's someone in some other state who's related in this way, who might fill out the paperwork. Oh, a month later, we still haven't heard from them. So it was just this terrible stress of falling in love with our son and not knowing at any point if they were going to say, he's not going to stay with you. We knew from the beginning that he probably wouldn't end up going back to his biological parents because they'd already had a number of other children removed from their homes, um, unfortunately. But about three months in, we got a call that a half-sister who was 12 years old, was going to come visit. Um, and when I say we got a call, I mean, they said, please put him in the car and drive him to the CPS office now. She's here with her mother. No notice whatsoever. And we just, we dropped him off and we cried for an hour. And then we had to pick ourselves up and go meet this person. It's hard <laughs> in that you never know. Everything can change in a moment. One judge can say one thing, the next court date, they can say something else. You as the foster parent may or may not be made aware of when the court date's going to be. We didn't hear anything else from this person after that point until termination happened for the biological parents. And at that point they said, we're gonna move forward and try and place him in this half sister's home. Um, she lives a couple states away and there's other kids in the house and um, that's where that's where we're going to do. So start start talking to this other mom. We tried to stay upbeat and to try and stay supportive. And we felt like we were lying because it wasn't what we wanted. It wasn't what we thought was best. We asked for a court appointed special advocate. Um, our baby was now nine and a half months old. And the only thing that he'd ever known was our home and us. And they were saying, well, this is what's going to happen. They're going to go with this person who's going to move out of the house in a couple years, you know? So we tried, uh, but finally we just reached out to them and we asked them if they would please consider whether or not what they were pursuing was in the best interest of Adam. Um, and at that point, contact stopped. They didn't want to, to speak with us anymore. But they heard us in that we were worried about them going, him going to someone they didn't know. So they came down for a two-week visit. Wow. Again, very little notice. We had no control over those visits. So with CPS visits, you drop them off at the CPS office. They're monitored. They come back. 
This was just, okay, we're going to let them take him to a park if they want or take them to their hotel room. We had no idea where he was at any given time. Um, and the time limits that were set out to like scale up were not respected. At one point I called CPS and said, I need to know where my child is. And they said, um, you're not being supportive of this placement. And I said, you entrusted him to my care. I need to know where he is. He was supposed to be back an hour ago um, and my daycare hadn't seen him. So I had to leave work and go and wait for my child. We ended up deciding. I can't, I can't even imagine that. (laughs) The worst part is that that's, I mean, that's as foster parents, what you are asked to do. You're, you're asked to believe that everything's going to be okay. And that, that these people, these individuals are, are the best, the best option. And it's hard when you disagree with that. Do you get any kind of information from from them about the family members aside from how they're related? Not really. Yeah. So we ended up getting a lot more information when we made the decision to intervene in his case. So we hired a lawyer and we um, petitioned for adoption and it was ugly. There were three court dates that were to this day burned into my mind. It to sit in court and debate who is the best person to raise a child, the things that come out, the things that are brought up, the ways in which the standards for someone who lives in a home with someone who's technically blood and then a foster parent are completely skewed. Um, We ended up, we, we won our intervention case and we got to adopt Adam four months later. And just as soon as the ruling came down, just stress just melted away. And this more so like after the adoption went through, but it was by far the hardest thing we've, we've ever done in our life and, and step that we have taken together as a family. After that, we, we did jump back into foster care. Uh, in hindsight, we were not ready to. We took a placement of two little girls and they lived with us for almost six months they ended up going back to their biological mother, um, which was what they desperately, desperately wanted, and which came out frequently in the behavior inside of our home, because you're five and seven, and you know your mommy, and you want to be with your mommy. So um, got the services that mom needed, um, and was able to get them, them back there. But we made the decision at that point, because Adam missed them very much, that we would pursue and uh, a biological child. So I, I don't think I said this earlier. I, I found out like 10 years after my original diagnosis that like I absolutely did not have polycystic ovarian syndrome and that I just had like a bunch of follicles or something. Um, but what? yeah, like there, we didn't have any sort of like barriers to, to conception, but we had <laughs> known for so long that we wanted to do adoption that like that was still the path that we originally pursued um, before trying anything else. But yeah, it's just crazy how God works. It's so crazy hearing the story from you. I've been so pumped about it all week because, you know, Jen along, I mean, I obviously didn't get tons of details, but she would kind of fill me in a little bit here and there, you know, with things that are going on. I remember getting the text message from her that you guys had gotten the call about Adam and that was like incredible and her sending the picture. And so it's so cool to hear you tell all the details and 
And I remember, and I, I feel this way about a lot of adoption stories that I hear, a lot of foster stories I hear is that I remember getting really angry when she was telling me about you guys going to court and just like the back and forth of a lot of that. And I wanted to ask you, I know that you are a really big advocate for these social workers. That's the right term, right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, I know you're a huge advocate for them and just getting the support that they need, but I have to ask you, I mean, a lot of, a lot of what I know and the opinions that I have, or I suppose the stereotypes that I feel are probably based on movies and things that I've seen. And then just tidbits like stories of yours that it just, it feels so unfair and unjustified that people who want to be parents so, so badly are the ones that get burned. And then you have people that are like just collecting money and maybe doing it with the wrong intentions. Like what's the insider scoop on that? What are your thoughts on that? First, each, each case is very unique, um, each family situation. Um, So while a lot of, of foster situations do come out of neglect or abuse, some do come out of, of misunderstandings. And so the investigators, as they, as they get into their work, um, you know, actually figuring out like the merits of the case, they, they do incredible work tracking people down, tracking down whoever they need. Um, so Adam, they were actually looking for him since he was two days old. He came to us at six weeks, but they, they were trying to find him. The investigators were looking for him, tracking down um, contacts. But in our experience, we had an incredible agency caseworker who was there with us through every, if we said we need this or we don't understand this, or will you cry and pray with us? She was there. We had one incredible CPS worker and we had one who we did not at the end of the day, keep in contact with. Um, I will, I will word it in that way, but their hands honestly are, are tied to a degree. The laws of the state, the laws of the country prioritize reunification. And as it currently stands, reunification is not just mom and dad. Reunification is anyone mom and dad name as kin. They do not have to actually be kin. They are named as kin. And so the way the law is written, it's it's written in a way that foster parents really don't have a chance until 12 months have gone by and then hire a lawyer um, and, and fight yeah. it out because otherwise every time it's it's going to go to someone, the parent's name, and they don't have to name them at the beginning, which is one of the more painful things. They, they don't have to pursue that placement at the beginning. Our, in our situation, this person was not started to, to be looked at, to, done, to do background checks on, to have home studies until termination occurred, at which point I have a 10-month-old baby who called me mama. So, yeah. so it's hard. Stereotypes, though, you're going to find people who they are in it because it's their passion and you're going to find people who are in it because it's their paycheck. Sure. Um, and you just have to pray that you get one with the passion. And if not ask, right, they've got supervisors for a reason and say, you know, this has happened and this has happened and this has happened. Communication failed in this way, or things were not, the truth was not presented to us when we took the placement call in this way, we would like a different caseworker. Cool. Um, so, so you can advocate for yourself in, in that way. That's really important to know. I feel like <laughs> sometimes yeah. I think in those situations, you just feel like you just need to 
I don't know, just ride along the wave of what's going to happen. Like you, you know, like you shouldn't fight back because you want these people to fight for you. So you want to like less of a splash as possible, but I think that's really important to know. (sighs) Okay. So I know that you skipped over, you know, a lot of just kind of the details of some of the trauma, but I know that's something that you really wanted to talk about. And so, you know, we've talked so much in this podcast about trauma of birth and trauma of miscarriages and traumas of loss, but this is a whole different type of trauma. How are you, how are you coping with that now? And I mean, what was that like going through it all? Going through it, um, the first court case, I had my husband by my side. So, so that helped right afterwards, we could just go home and hold each other and, and cry about all the things that were said and all the things that were brought up. The second court case, I was alone. Um, my mother-in-law was, was there. Um, I, I, so I should not, I should not say I was alone. My mother-in-law was there with me. Um, but, but I didn't have my husband there with me. Um, and that was the one that got ugliest. Um, like court security had to be called, um, to, to remove the, the situation. That one is the hardest for me. So when I drive past a courthouse, that that's where my brain is immediately. Um, so thankfully I don't have to drive past many courthouses. Um, Take the roundabout route, right? <laughs> but that date every year, which unfortunately is right before Christmas, I am almost paralyzed. Um, like I, I, it's the worst day of the year for me just because of everything. That conversation unfortunately had to be documented by the lawyers and then held a third court case to bring it up. And so I have the transcript of everything that happened. Um, And maybe it would be healthy to delete it, but (laughs) I I don't, I don't know that it would. I do a lot of writing. I found that helps me. So I will write a poem about it. um, And just honestly, I find myself almost justifying to this person, my position and justifying the fact that a child did what a child is supposed to do and attach to the person who was there. Um, so that's, that's how I'm currently coping. It's definitely a process. Um, I'm starting to let my family in to it more, um, to, to just sit down and talk with my sister or call up a friend and they don't understand and that's okay. They just listen. And that's, yeah. that's very helpful. So if there's anyone who's going through adoption or foster care or, or anything, just find a person who they absolutely don't have to get it. Like you don't have to find a foster adoption support group. Just find someone who will listen to you and let you work through some of the stuff. What do you feel like your family did or what do you feel like family can do aside from being there to be an ear? Like, what do you think we can do for, for friends and family who are going through this process? Yeah. So Meal trains are fantastic. Um, there, there are so many times when we would get a call out of the blue and it would be, okay, we're going to come over in half an hour for our monthly visit. And it's like, I need a dinner. Like I, I need to feed the family and you need to be in my home. Um, so whether it's like have a DoorDash friend on, on speed diet, like, hey, I, I need that today. That's, that's one helpful way. Another way is through becoming like a respite provider or um, a babysitter. So what you can do, and we 
we took advantage of this a couple times when we had to leave the state and we weren't allowed to leave the state with Adam. So a respite provider has a couple of hours of training and a full background check and they are an extended babysitter and they keep the child for a weekend or for a week. If you and your husband or you and, and some portion of your family need a little break or you know need to go to a funeral, need to go to something, it, it's very stressful in that moment to be like, who do I call? Okay, let me get on this support group that I'm on and find a stranger to watch my child, right? That's right. terrifying versus yeah let me call up my friend down the street and she's already one of my people, my child can stay with her for a weekend. Cool. So that's a great way to help them out. And it doesn't, it honestly only takes probably about five hours of training wow. to be able to become that. So. Okay. That's amazing. I didn't even yeah. know that was a thing. That's, that's so, a it thing. It makes total sense. It makes sense. <laughs> I would have to have something, you know, something in place like that. <laughs> what do you feel like? So you, now you've had you've, you've adopted a child from, from infancy and you've fostered a couple of girls and now you have your own son of your very own, which I just, I'm so happy that that ended up, that you didn't have those issues and you were (laughs) able to have a baby truly. It's an incredible experience, but what do you feel like with all those bundled up? What is like a couple of takeaways around motherhood that you feel like maybe you wouldn't have never had if you didn't go through the adoption or the fostering, or if you didn't didn't experience both and see this difference or see these different experiences? Oh, goodness gracious. That is a question. (laughs) Um, So motherhood is way more complicated than I think I ever thought it was. You are, I mean, it sounds silly to say you're not just a mother. Like I think of it in, in how I used to think about teaching, right? I'm not just a teacher. I'm a counselor. I'm a mother. I'm a nurse. I'm a, right? Like as a mother, you are everything. You are your child's worldview. And so now that I've seen it from all these different perspectives, I can empathize more with little tantrums. I can also empathize more with with fellow moms who maybe they're struggling because they didn't want to have a C-section. They really wanted to, to have a biological birth. And I can just speak to them about, you know, birth is not what makes you a mom, being there, loving your child, supporting them through all of it and accepting that things aren't going to turn out exactly how you thought they were. So that's really helped like my mothering perspective. I'm super type A, so I really love to control everything and you just can't um, and you really can't in adoption and foster care. So um, it's definitely been good for my like everyday, like let's, let's roll with what life has for us. (laughs) It's like the biggest lesson of motherhood. I mean, it really is. I learned that, you know, right from the get-go of finding out Miles was breached at like 36 weeks. And I had dreamed about this natural home water birth. I wanted it so badly. And to this day, it's still a dream and a fantasy. And I'm still having to work on trying to, to surrender to whatever the future holds. And, and now I have an experience under my belt, right? I, I've experienced a C-section. I know how beautiful it was. I know that those things at the end of the day, don't really matter in the grand scheme, but But they feel like they matter so much in those moments. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's made me much, much more understanding of people in those moments, because when we were in our intervention, that was all we could think about. Right. So I, I can't imagine for, for people who all they've desired is this one thing, um, to, to be going through that. Did you make any decisions around, 
around birth and maybe some of the events that um, like after having him, so family being around or let me think how I want to wear this. Did you find yourself taking on like a new way of almost being kind of that mama bear, like being more protective over this new baby? Am I making any sense? Like you are making sense, but my, so it's very funny you bring that up. Like my tendency went completely the opposite, like leading up to Matthias's birth, all I could think about, well, number one, I didn't know that he was a Matthias. We didn't know what, if he was a boy <laughs> or a girl, but I love that. now I know yes. he's a Matthias. Um, but leading up to it, all I could think about was how is Adam going to react? How are we going to talk about this about around Adam? How am I going to keep my family from taking pictures in the hospital because I don't have pictures of him in the hospital. I don't want pictures of you in the hospital. Like all I could think about was how do I start to guard and, and put these children on even terms because while yes, adoption and birth are completely distinct ways of forming your family, that child is still your child. And, and my mama bear went 100% towards Adam. Wouldn't have ever thought about that. That's an yeah. incredible. Yes. Wow. Okay. So the things that you mentioned then were taking pictures, how are you going to talk to Adam about it? Family. Did that go the way you, I mean, did everything go? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I, mean, um, I can't imagine everybody's going to want to take pictures. I mean, I know I really wanted to have birth photos if I was going to have a natural birth. I mean, you know. So for me, like, and, and this goes back to just my story. Like I had never pictured myself being pregnant. And so like, even in the pregnancy time, like I wasn't trying to get the maternity photos yeah. done. My yeah. friends kept bugging me, like, send me a picture of your bump. Like send it now. Jen, ev- my sister, like love her to pieces every night. It'd be like, can I see your belly? Can I see your, be- can I touch your belly? No, no, you cannot. Um, but, but so that for me, like, I wasn't crazy nervous about the birthing process, but I also wasn't crazy excited. So as I was leading up, I didn't do the best job of communicating with my family. I definitely sent them a text message, like conveying my wishes, which in hindsight is, is not the way to tell your family. Um, because there was a lot of misunderstanding. Like, um, they thought that they wouldn't be allowed to take pictures of him until he was six weeks old. And instead of, you know, two days old or whenever we got back from the hospital. All I wanted was I wanted the pictures to be in our home because Adam's first pictures were in our home. But yeah, definitely didn't communicate that in the greatest way. I also, I believe I told them that I didn't want them to talk a lot about, um, oh, he looks, his nose is just like yours or his eyes are just like yours. Um, it's, it's really interesting because Adam is a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy. And my husband is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed man. Oh so, gosh, yeah. Uh, and Matthias is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby. So so it's it's funny. I was so worried about that. That's, that's not part of our family's really like adoption concerns. But I do know that someday Adam will want to know if, if he looks like his birth mom or if he looks like his birth dad. So that is still something like I guard, but I could have done a much better way of communicating that to, to the family. Like I'm going to give myself some grace because yes, you know, I was pregnant. To. But <laughs> well, and you've never, I mean, sure you've been in that world, but you, I mean, this, that's all very new and you're probably figuring it out as you go, as these emotions start coming, because you have, you know, you, 
it's hard to know and think forward about things that you're going to experience or that you have to think about without actually like kind of being in it. So, I mean, you know, yeah, you do have to give yourself some grace. Yes. (laughs) Since we're on that topic about kind of guarding Adam, I know, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about kind of what you're learning now in regards to guarding him around, I don't know, verbiage that's used and movies or books or shows that you're watching and, and how you're, what your plan is, you know, to talk about Adam's adoption as he gets older and and how you're asking your family to approach. I want to know about that. Yeah. So the research right now says that kids should know their adoption story by the time they're eight or nine, if you want that story to come from you. Because until that point, kids really rely on their parents as their sounding board. And after that point, they rely on their friends. So we very much starting as soon as we could started reading books about adoption. Adam has known always that he was adopted. Um, But we always want that message to come to us. We're trying to figure out how do we scale it in a way so that you know the truth by the time you're nine. You don't need to know all the nitty gritty details of the truth, but you need to know the truth by that time. So um, right now he knows that he has three fathers, God, his biological father and daddy, um, and that he has two mothers, mommy and, and birth mom. Um, And it's funny to hear him talk about that, but I know that's going to throw some kids once he hits school for a big loop. So I'm trying to like figure out like, okay, how do I prepare him? I love it. He's going to have a conversation. His, one of his buddies is going to be talking about his dad and his family. And he's going to go, I'm so lucky. Like I have all these three. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, he he 100% is. He's also going to say some phrases that my husband has taught him that I am not excited to get a call from the principal about, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah, I want to hear about those <laughs> off, off, off recording. <laughs> um, but but it's, it's crazy. So I never would have been aware of it um, an, until becoming an adoptive mom, but everyone has probably sat around a dinner table or a game night one time and and heard someone say, someone says something just, out of left field. And someone responds with, oh, they're adopted. Just ignore them. And the message there is that the adopted person doesn't belong or that whatever you've said doesn't belong. And so that, that is like not an idiom, but that's a phrase that occurs in our culture on shows, in families, like it's, it's all over the place. Um, There's jokes about it. And yeah, it's not a joke to me. It, it really, it, it hurts. And so just being aware of the language that's used and that, that you use um, at, at any given time, or even like if, if you're hanging out with moms and, and they're struggling with something like, I feel like less of a mom because I had a C-section, which is like, a, that's real. Like people feel that um, yeah. and it's not wrong. But if you're sitting in the room with an adoptive mom or a fostering mom, like, you need to know how that's going to sound to them and that's going to hurt. Um, and so okay. just being willing to have that conversation, also things like they're real parents. And it's like, let me tell you about real parenting. Real parenting is being up in the middle of the night with the child and caring for the child and loving the child. Like that's real parenting. Like, yes, you grew this child like I never ever want to diminish from right. what both parents have or for however long they had them um but parenting is not a 
this period of time thing. It is a lifelong mission. Um, and so just little things like that um, that hurt. So learning to, to be more aware of saying things like, like birth family or um, just keeping an eye on shows. We were, I think I, I told you this the other day, but um, even kids movies like have negative messaging around adoption or- um, like Which is like mind blowing actually. It really is. I mean, kids, kids shows these days cover all sorts of content that you Everything would goes. they would, they yeah. would, um, but it, it's just, I watch every show with Adam that Adam watches, even if I don't want to, um, because it can come out of nowhere. And suddenly there's a joke being made about adoption that I need to stop in that moment and speak truths of adoption to my child. And so he's, he doesn't like it when I pause the shows, but I will pause the shows and, and we'll talk about how, um, I mean, it could be something like adoption is forever. No, that's not how adoption works. You can't just get a new one. Um, or, you know, um, it's normal, not normal, but it's okay to be adopted and it's okay to feel this way about your family, your your birth family, your family you're living with now. Um, and something that's been hard for me is just thinking about, um, and, and sometimes people ask this, it, it doesn't necessarily bother me, but they'll ask, you know, like, what if he wants to, to find them someday? Um, and in our case, that's not safe, or it wasn't at the time of the case. And so that's going to be hard, because you know, people are curious. I'm, I'm curious about why, you know, something happened on a show, like he gets to be curious, and I have to be okay with him being curious about wanting to know about his birth family. Um, In the age of social media, that's so hard, because you see things you do not want to see. And you have to try and decide how to filter that for them. Yeah, thinking about texting you, uh, sending you certain text messages in preparation of the show and writing these notes. I love, this is like one of my very favorite parts of interviews when we start uncovering some of the things that none of us have any awareness around and that we can be more aware of when we're having conversations or just even in our everyday language with somebody, like if I'm talking to another woman who is not going through adoption at all, I want to be using the same language with her that I would with you. And so even, even during this interview, like talking with you about, um, you've had your own child. Like I cringe sometimes when I say things where I'm typing them, cause I'm not really totally sure about the right thing to say. And I know for me, I, I want to know, I don't want to inflict any harm or, or hurt on anybody. So these are really important things, but, um, I can't imagine, you know, Adam, and then you listening to some of these things and having these conversations, I can't imagine that, well, he's just going to be growing up to be such a, I'm serious. He's going to be growing up to be such a, he's going to have so much heart because he's going to have such a deep understanding of all of this. And, you know, I think it's all a trickle effect too, right? He's going to be able to pass all that along. So you're just doing a really amazing job and I appreciate you highlighting all those things. You're welcome. Of course. And, and to anyone like who has ever slipped up and said something like cringeworthy, like it's okay. The point is that like you recognize it. Right. And so it's, you know, if it happens one time, you say, I'm so sorry. Like that just, it shouldn't have come out like that. Totally fine. It's when that like 
that is a pattern that you continue to hear from people that you love. I'm so blessed that that's not something that everyone is actively, you know, hearing what they're saying um, and not just saying it. And so it's, it's going to be a process of growth. We're going to have to keep telling them how we're handling things or what pieces of the story that he knows. So that is one thing I would, I would tell foster and adoptive parents is just um, if you are in that, or if you're thinking about being in that, really think ahead of time, like what you're going to share about your child's story. Because once you've given that, you can never pull that back in. So if there's details that you need to share with somebody, maybe you need to share that with one person, but not everybody. Or maybe you need to share that with someone who's not in the family if you don't want that to be something that might someday be heard by another member of the family. So those are just hard things to, to think through, um, but, but definitely things that merit a little bit of thought going in. Okay, I have two more questions. One is, I really want to know about, we've talked about the, 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 the court dates. I want to know about the day when you found out that you officially were, you know, on paper legally, Adam's, you know, adoptive parents and what that was like. I want to, I want to know about that. So there were a bunch of days where like that was starting, right? Okay, um, yeah. So there, there was the day that we got the judge's ruling on the intervention. I was a mess that day. I had a bunch of teachers visiting my classroom. I was like being the model teacher for a bunch of teachers from another school. So I'm like trying to be on my A game, but all I know is that like, I'm supposed to be getting some news from the court today. So they're all sitting in my room after school. And I got an email, like not a phone call, not a text. I got an email and I heard it. So I like opened it up. And I, there was screaming, there was so much screaming. They were like, what's happening? Oh my goodness, like what's happening, right? So I like left them. I was like, y'all can deal with yourselves. I'm like calling my husband, calling my mom. <laughs> I'm like, can somebody handle them? Like, they'll be fine. <laughs> I went in and told them afterwards what was happening. But, of course. Um, but yes, there was, there was just so much, so much joy. The, there was the next day, like in the process, like three months after that, when we, signed the end of foster placement paperwork um, and court was the very next day after that. And so we had all our family there. We threw this huge party. We invited everyone we could possibly imagine. We had like a barbecue for hours and everyone just awesome. celebrated that he was a part of our forever family. We, um, that actually, so that brings me to a point on, on words and verbiage. Yeah. Um, so I really hate gotcha day. And maybe that's just me, but like some people call it the gotcha day and that drives me crazy. I, like, didn't I, did, a thing. I did not steal you from someone. Uh, I yeah. am not trying to rescue you from anything. Like I am your mother. <laughs> I am your mommy. Um, and so we, we ended up going with um, last name day. And so Aww. I have a last name day. I had my birth last name day and I had my marriage last name day. Um, and then Adam has his birth last name day and his adoption last name day. And so that's how we talk about it in our family. Um, but just, I mean, little things like that, like someone texted me and asked me like, are you going to have a gotcha day party? And I was like, please Ooh. never say that <laughs> to me again. I've never heard of that before. 
And I, th- I think maybe it's just, you know, like I'm on the Pinterest oh, yeah. adoption yeah, yeah, logs yeah. and yeah. things. Um, and, and it's just like in my worldview, but, but yeah, it hurts every time I see that. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for letting me know. That's so crazy. Gotcha day. Okay. All right. The last question I want to ask you is, and you've kind of already hinted on this a little bit, but I feel like you probably have a kind of lasting message that you want to send out for the moms, for the parents that are going through this right now, or they're thinking about going through it. Like what, what is your message to them? Adoption is beautiful. It is an incredible opportunity to be a parent and to love. Um, But for some reason, like, I feel like there's this idea that it has to be perfect um, and it doesn't have to be perfect and it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be messy, whether it's an infant or an older child, there's going to be hard days. There's going to be things said by your child to you that hurt more as an adoptive mom than they would hurt to a biological mother, even though the biological mom is hearing it from (laughs) Uh, every now and then yeah. too, you know, it, it is a, a commitment that is absolutely worth undertaking. Um, I'm not going to say it's harder than being a biological parent. It's different. You might have, you might struggle on, on different days. You know, I, I struggle on mother's day. Sometimes I struggle on Adam's birthday sometimes, because I know that there's someone out there who feels loss on this day while I, get to feel joy and that's that hurts and so just be prepared for for all the emotions if you don't like being in touch with your emotions like your mental health like it's it's probably not for you and I'm going to say that bluntly because it's not something to to shy away from like there will be times when you're depressed. There'll be times when you're angry. There'll be times when you need other people and you need to talk about things. Um, and if you're not comfortable doing that, I, I worry for you. Um, and so just knowing that you need to go in with a support group, I 100% think that all moms need to go in with a support group because parenting is hard. Um, but, but especially adoptive and foster moms, like you, you need your village. And I think that's so much of it is going into not, I mean, you can't ever expect everything, but to go in with the expectation of knowing that it's not going to look like what you've seen in the movies and try, you have to try to prepare your heart and your mind for potentially what, what worse could come. It's interesting. So after the last couple of miscarriages, I have definitely dialed in a little bit to think thinking okay I wonder if we should even think about it like do we if we really really want another child should we think about adoptive but it hasn't been something that has been I felt called to do it's not something that I've really been on my heart to do but the more and more I think about it the more and more I tell myself okay if I'm even going to go down this road I need to really start preparing a little bit for what that means for us and find out whether or not it's maybe really the right, the right choice for us but your message was incredibly beautiful. And I think that the the mamas who are thinking about doing this are lucky if they have clicked on this episode and listened to it because you just, you gave a lot of really great knowledge bits, but you also were very real and very raw about what they could potentially expect walking into it. And I think that's what we need at the end of the day. Well, no good. Well, me. this 
This is funny. Um, Jen, so I like, I've just really started to like process my trauma with with Jen. And so she has been like encouraging me to talk about it more. And so when I saw your thing, I was like, okay, like, I'm going to talk about it. Like, this is good for me. Like, I'm going to talk about it. And so this is actually like, you asked what I'm doing for my, like, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. That's so amazing. I texted her as soon as we got off the phone the other day. I was like, I just talked to your amazing sister. My gosh, doing some really crazy things, but I'm so excited. And she was saying like, I've been trying to encourage her to, you know, to, to talk more about it too. And yeah. anyway, I'm so glad that you did. And I'm so honored. And um, I hope that we talk more. I would love that. I would love to hear like how things are going down in Florida and, you know, did Miles go down for nap time today? He did. We got to cuddle and he fell right to Aww. sleep. It may have helped that he slept kind of crummy this morning and was like up a lot early. And so, you know, those days you're like, you can always bank on them going down for an early nap, but yep. anyway. Okay. Well, you had given me a couple of resources that I will be putting in the show notes. One of them was a blog and the other, there was one that was a support, a support website. I'm assuming that goes to a, an advocacy program. I didn't click into them quite yet. Yes. So adoptionsupport.org um, has just like a ton of free resources. Um, everything from like words to say, or how to have conversations to like what you should know about adoption and how it works. A Family for Every Child, that one is um, more like state-based. So it's it's more informational. Like if you are interested in it in your state, you click on your state, it gives you laws from your state, resources from your state, the process, like how to get started. The Foster the Family blog is that woman speaks to my heart sometimes. Um, and, and one of the best things she said was just like, foster care has a way of turning the sweet, bittersweet. Like you are having an amazing time watching your kids play or, you know, looking at this baby. And at the same time, like in the back of your mind, you're thinking like, how much longer <sighs> do I have? And it, it's so true. Like in loving deeply Adam, we were always wondering how much longer do we get to deeply love Adam? And so um, she just like, she's real about, about what's going on in foster care. And, and she's got like a kingdom focus for everything. So just oh. when she doesn't know it, she throws it back to God. And, and so she's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> From That's what awesome. I can see. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, my gosh. I, I can't even wrap my head. I'm going to be thinking about that for, some days to come because I just can't putting myself in that place. I'm thinking about you, you know, going through what you went through with Adam. I just, it's really hard to seriously, like how does a mom even do that? Okay. Well, I, there were so many questions we didn't hit on that I would have loved to, but I sh truly struggle with this, um, with doing these to keep them at like an hour or less. Um, so maybe we'll just have to chat another day and okay. just in just chat. Well, and someday I'll probably have to just chat with you about like marketing and entrepreneurship and I will all of best. it. I hopefully so. I have some good, some good bits to, to share with you. So, but anyway, thanks. Of course. And thanks for, thanks for having me. You're welcome, babe. I loved it. All right. It well, fun. go hang out with the boys. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey mamas, before you peace out. If what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast, and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. 
If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy, and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire, and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.